Welcome to the show, The First Generation Mindset. This is your host, Kunal Seth, where I bring on the top talent from the planet into the studio and share with you their story, their wins, and what they've gone through. On the show tonight, we have Elizabeth Barty. Elizabeth, welcome on the show tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to share Elizabeth's story with all of you tonight. Elizabeth Barty was born and raised in South Texas, a small, small town where everyone knew everyone growing up over there. Wasn't born. Wasn't born. born. I was born on the East Coast. You're born in New Jersey. I'm born in New Jersey. But yes. raised in South Texas. Yes. Family moved over there. And over all these years, you had tremendous success. You actually worked for Walmart Corporate in different division, different department, and you were the leader in the market. But what you're going to hear about Elizabeth's story tonight is her persistence to stay on the top of the ladder at corporate America at Walmart. At the same time, following her dream of marrying her kindergarten crush, who was just four years old, Eric Barty. And what's funny is, you heard the story, when something is to be with you, you let them go. If it comes back to you, it was meant to be with you. And that's what we're going to hear tonight, her professional growth and success and her story of finding her love partner when she was just a kid, best of friends, grew up together and then reunited after years and years. And today they're happily married with three young kids. The oldest one is 15 and the second boy is 13 and youngest daughter, Victoria, who's eight years old. Elizabeth Barty today with her husband, Business partner, life partner, runs the most successful real estate team in the Houston market. She is native Houstonian now, lives in Siena, and is running a thriving business. I'm so excited to share your story, Elizabeth, tonight. But walk us through your journey, the struggles you had, because you were one of the youngest interns at Walmart. They had over 2,500 applicants, and you were one of the 12 people selected. Most people told you, hey, you're applying for this internship, but more than likely, you're not going to get selected. What gets you going where you not only broke into the barrier of being an intern, but over the years, you became a leader at the age of 24 at Walmart. And those values, skills that you learn is what makes you successful today, Elizabeth. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny. I when we were talking about that earlier, I was remembering a professor because we had a very specialized college at Texas Tech. And so... Um, it was fashion merchandising with a minor in marketing. And so you had to have an internship in order to graduate. And so nobody had gone to corporate Walmart yet. It was almost, um, it was one of these unrivaled internships, um, very hard to get. Like you said, 2,500 applicants essentially, and they would accept 12. So my professor, who I was extremely close to, said, Elizabeth, you can apply, but I really wouldn't, you know, don't bank on that. Don't bank on it because and you were you 19, have to, 18. How old were you then? So I would have been, let's say, 21, 22. Okay. Well, about 21 when we were applying for it. So yeah. um, she said, because again, you have to have this internship in order to graduate. So make sure to apply other places. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. So, but I wanted it. I wanted it. It was a it was a teen cosmetic position. Um, you had moved to Bentonville. Just an incredible opportunity, yeah. something I felt like I'd be really good at. And I was just persistent. I was. I was super. I look back now and I'm like, why did I get that? 
Um, because honestly, I think I called the recruiter on a daily basis and I was like, have you made a decision? <laughs> have you made a decision? Have you made a decision? So You're persistent. And, and literally when I moved to Bentonville, my mom actually drove me up there, um, and moved me in and it was, it was amazing. It was just an amazing, amazing experience all the way around. And so when I got there, the recruiter literally found me and said, I have to tell you, I've never seen someone called that much, like that much. So it was um, best experience of my life. I stayed with um, corporate Walmart for quite some time, almost seven years, I think. And um, learned the ins and outs of running a business. I was district manager of loss prevention. Um, at the time, I was the youngest D, uh, DM, district manager in the, the history of the company. And you were overseeing 12 stores in Houston. I was. And yeah. in loss prevention, this is where about people come to Walmart, steal things, even employees steal things. So you were held accountable. You actually were the yes. only one who could let them go or fire them in those instances. Mm -hmm. And you're working 24-7. Dealing with all the issues in 12 Walmart stores at the age of 24. At the time, I was the only, so I wanted to come back out to the field is how, what happened. I wanted to come back to Texas. You know, when you live in Bentonville, you literally live in Walmart territory. Like that's, you live and breathe Walmart. Um, and being 23, 22 at the time, I just missed one family and friends and just the, that atmosphere. And so decided to come back out into the field. They put me into this open position, which now I know why it was open. <laughs> <laughs> it was this district manager of loss prevention. Didn't even know what loss prevention was at the time. So what it was is you are con like in control of anything of loss of asset in a Walmart store. So it was quality assurance, risk management, um, inventory control, theft, both associate and you know outside theft. And so as a 23-year-old girl, I was... I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I, I honestly did not know what I was doing. I was the only female in the entire country and by far the youngest DM ever in the company. And so when I went to meet my other DMs in my region and division, um, they were all, and they're probably, if you're listening, they're probably going to be like, she's right. I mean, it was, <laughs> I walk in and it's a room of ex-law enforcement and ex-military guys that were in their older 40s, 50s, all, into their 60s. They're all ahead of loss prevention in their market. Yes, in their markets, and yes. And in Houston market, which is such a thriving market, you were the DM. With, with a lot of loss. So loss. I had stores that were shrinking over a million dollars. And so I had to go in and wow. literally figure out, okay, is it inventory control? Um, like our checks and balances? Is it risk management in terms of what are we paying out in terms of accidents, slips and falls in the store, quality assurance with our food departments, you name it. It was on me and it was 12 stores literally in the heart of Houston. Um, Stafford, you know, we used to shrink. When I first got that store, it was, I'll never forget it. And I didn't even really know what shrink meant. That's how much I didn't know about this role. <laughs> and they were like, that is essentially what that store is losing a year. When I picked it up, it was $1.3 million in shrink. And that, that was what one of my mean. 12. So again, just loss of assets. So okay. anything You're from inventory that never shows up, okay. and maybe we're doing paperwork wrong. It's um, theft. A lot of a lot of it's unfortunately theft. And so my job, again, like you said, it was heartbreaking to me because I was the only one in the entire district that could fire an associate, someone who worked for Walmart. I was the only one that could come in and fire them. 
And so it would be two o'clock in the morning. Here I am, 23, 24 years old. I'd have to drive to a store and go in and do this whole investigation, interrogation, and then fire them on the spot. And I'll never forget, and this is when I decided it was not the job for me. I was at um, a store in um, a not-so-good part of town. Got a call about 2.30 and um, got in my car and drove over to the store, and I had to do the investigation part. And the management, has uh, they always would start that and tell me kind of what they had found out. This what was, was this? against an employee? It was a, yeah, it was an employee. Okay. So I um, go into the store, and it's a very large individual. He's probably about 6'4", 6'5", sitting in the office already. And they warned me that it could get very aggressive. And so they would always have management come in with me. And again, here I am like, oh, you know, I'm coming in to interrogate you. But I go in and there's just tears coming down his face. And I thought it was very unlike what I had seen in other investigations. I'm looking over what was stolen and he had pocketed a gift card and what I'm seeing, and I could also see what he had actually gotten with the gift card, and it was formula and diapers and things like that. And so I'm looking at it, and I thought, this isn't like my normal cases. And so I go in, and he was such a big teddy bear. I'll never forget it. And I might even cry even talking about it. He was such a nice guy. And he literally had this daughter he was trying to take care of, and I remember having to terminate him. And um, so, and I literally, here I'm on the radio, I'm crying. I'm not an emotional person. Um, so, but I remember leaving the store and he was walking home and it was super cold. And I remember thinking, okay, this isn't a job for me because I don't know if I would have handled it that way. I understood what he did. That's not what I'm saying. But at the same time, it was, I understood the reasoning behind it. And it was so tough for me doing that, you know, and he was crying in this interview process and saying how hard it was for him because he was leaving his little girl with his friends that he knew, like probably weren't taking the best care of her, but he was left with this little girl and he was trying his best. And I'll never forget it to this day about just, you know, some people have no choice and in his mind that was, he had no choice. So yeah, I had decided shortly after that, that was not the role for me. It was super, it was super tough, but I will tell you it was the best learning experience I could have had in terms of really how to run a business, um, in terms of what makes a business successful. Um, I will tell you, I have so much respect for Walmart till this day. It was one of the best run companies in this world. Um, I had the pleasure of working with Tom Coughlin to the world. And I, I, Tom Coughlin, who is the CEO, was my mentor when I first wow. went on. And I was, I was blessed by that and amazing character. And um, they called him the good old boys. And, and obviously the world has changed and Walmart's changed and become so much more international. But, you know, I, I got to experience the good old days of like the Walton family thoroughly involved with the company. So wow. it was this a great is, experience. This is where you have a job to do. But then, you know, the situation was you had to let this person go because mm -hmm. of what he did. But it was so personal. He was doing it not just for his own benefit or to, you know, get something to for himself, mm -hmm. but for his daughter who probably had the need for the diapers and for the formula. But you in a position that even though you wanted to help him, you could not. You, help, you felt helpless. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing you could do. And that moment defined that, you know what, while I love the company, but the position I've been given into to take action against people where they deserve a second chance, Correct. I cannot do it. I cannot do it. And in my previous life, uh, I used to be an auditor. And I would go to these organizations, companies, and do audits, finding problems. 
and sometimes I would find problems which would lead to termination of employees. And sometimes it was needed because it was a safety issue and I would go to these offshore rigs, make sure another issue does not happen. But I remember instances where my audit findings were borderline policy violation, but because the management team just want to set an example, Correct. they would use my audit finding to terminate somebody who had given their blood, sweat, equity to the company mm -hmm. for decades. And as an auditor, I have to be objective about my findings, state the facts, and it's up to the management team or the organization to take the step, corrective action steps to terminate or corrective action, whatever it may be. And so many times I would feel, what kind of job am I doing? I have a job and position to provide for my family, but I'm finding myself finding a quicker path mm -hmm. to hell, right? <laughs> and I don't want to go to hell. I may go there regardless, but I was making a guaranteed <laughs> path to hell. And that's why in 2014, I said, yeah. I'm done. I'm done being the bad person in the room, finding problems all the time. That's exactly what you're doing. You had the talent. People hated me coming in yeah. the stores, and I hated that. Like, yeah. I hated, you know, I would be walking in a store and, again, just be bopping along. And, yeah. you know, and now I look back and I'm like, well, God, no wonder why they really hated me. <laughs> because, again, I was the person that was coming in to fire somebody. Yeah. There was always something wrong, yeah. right? Uh, there was always something wrong. And so, and, and that was in. my job. Yeah. That was my job was to fire them. And, and that's what loss prevention it does. It is 100% not my personality. Yeah. Not my personality at all. See, but those yeah. skills of being the tough person, rule enforcer, and mm -hmm. making sure things are followed to the T in a corporation bring certain skill sets that we do not see value at that point of time, and we complain about it. But looking back at what you went through at Walmart, being the enforcer in laws and prevention, me as an auditor, I am blessed I went through that. Yeah, because if we can deal with those situations, dealing with the teddy bear that you talked mm -hmm. about, that made you realize the power you were given even though you said, I don't want the power. And now in a position when you are a realtor, impacting people, you are the go-to happy person. You help somebody find their dream home, find it's the right dream. completely opposite Completely opposite. <laughs> but we cherish this today, yes. Elizabeth, because what we went through in corporate yeah. America, and I would never give up what I went through in corporate America as oh, an auditor. And not. you would not give up what you did in corporate America working Walmart because, yes, everything has positives and has negatives. Mm -hmm. What we take out of it. But that taught you the empathy piece for the teddy bear person you're talking Absolutely. about. Seeing him walk away in the cold without any, you know, mm -hmm. sweat and the, that you mentioned was heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And that mental picture you even have today. I mean, my goodness, that's been how long ago? 15 years ago. Wow. And I still get teary-eyed talking about it. Yes. I Why mean, don't we do this? Let's take yeah. a quick break. Well, when you come back, we want to hear about your sweetheart, Eric Barty, who may be listening in tonight. You were engaged to him, about to get married. Mm -hmm. But then you said, you know what? I want to follow my path of success and work for corporate America. And you broke the engagement, followed your path of success to work at Walmart. And you went different ways. And years later, you bumped into him just by chance mm -hmm. at a public place in Houston. And that's when sparks flew and you guys got married. When we come back, you want to hear about the story Elizabeth Barty is going to unfold for us. She talked about a success in corporate America, being the rule enforcer, getting people fired. Now she's <laughs> fired up, getting people success in real estate. But we also want to hear about when they say, if you have something, let it go. Let it go. If it was meant to be with you, 
It's going to turn around, come back to you. And that story is going to unfold for a reason. when we come back after a few quick messages. You're listening into the first generation mindset. This is your host, Kunal Seth, with our guest, Elizabeth Barty, in the studio. We'll be right back after a few quick messages. Welcome to the show, The First Generation Mindset. This is your host, Kunal Said. In the studio tonight, we have Elizabeth Barty, who's sharing her story of being the first woman in her family to follow her dream to work in corporate America. She worked for Walmart, the top employer in the world, and worked for them for a number of years, top position as a law loss prevention district head for the Houston market, was heading 12 department stores. Her story gets really interesting because when she was just 22, she got engaged to her high school, middle school, elementary school sweetheart, Eric Barty. They met for the first time in fourth grade, stayed in touch, were best of friends, and they fell in love in college, and they got engaged. But there was a crossroad that Elizabeth Barty came across. One path was get married, settle in, and be a housewife. The second path was, let me take the step of joining corporate America, joining Walmart as an intern at the age of 22. And that meant she had to part ways with her fiancé at that time, Eric Barty. She took that step, joined Walmart as an intern at the age of 22. But very quickly, she was hired as a full-time resource to head the Houston division in the loss prevention department, managing 12 stores. And come to find out, when she moved to Houston, she was in the backyard in Sugarland on a Friday evening at TGIF, sipping some wine, having a good time, and she turns around. And guess who is standing right there? Her high school, middle school, elementary school sweetheart, Eric Barty. They saw each other and said, wow, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Sparks for you, and in less than six months, they were re-engaged and married, and they have not looked back. Not only are they life partners, they have three young kids, but today they are business partners. Over the years, Elizabeth Barty convinced her better half to quit his job and join her. And today they run a successful real estate team in the Houston market called the Barty Real Estate Group. And they dominate the market in Southeast Houston, in Missouri City, in Siena. How was it walking away from your love of your life at 22, being engaged and saying, you know what? I'm going to follow my path of success. Join corporate America, join Walmart and say bye-bye to your sweetheart. That must have been such a tough decision. A lot of people choose one way or the other. But the golden story over here is you let it go. It was meant to be. And you guys re-engaged after two or three years and you're happily married. You know, I I still remember I actually went in. I don't even know if Eric's actually heard this. He's probably like, what is she about to say? Um, <laughs> I remember I'd, I actually went in and talked to my professor. Um, the before one you who, dumped him? Yes, before. Well, because, again, I Your just professor. found out. <laughs> okay. This is a girl, you know. All right. <laughs> so, But I went in and talked to her because I just found out about the the internship okay. that I'd gotten with Walmart, and the day that um, our wedding was supposed to pl- take place was the day I was supposed to arrive in Bentonville. So, so you had your wedding planned. Mm-hmm. The date it was going to be at the house that I grew up at. 
Wow, um, so you had the engagement done, wedding plan for a day, and that's the day you're supposed to fly over. I was supposed to arrive in Bentonville the same day wow. that our wedding was supposed to take place. So, you know, I'd gone in, and of course I had needed to give Walmart an answer, and I, was, and I was very torn. I was very torn, but Eric, he played football at Texas Tech, and so he had a fifth year. So essentially he couldn't have gone with me. He was graduating as well, but he was staying back for his fifth year and then to get his master's. And... You know, I remember her saying, if you're if you're having any trouble contemplating this, then I think you're answering that for yourself. And I kind of sat there and I she said, you know, obviously, if you knew marriage was right for you right now, you wouldn't be here sitting in front of me. And I remember it just automatically dawned on me that I was I had fought so hard for that internship. And the funny thing is, I never even contemplated what would happen if I got it. I was just wanting, like, I wanted it so bad. So, you know, at that point in time, it was very clear to me. Um, and I knew, I knew Eric, he needed to be there for his fifth year. And I wanted him to enjoy his fifth year in football. And I knew going to Bentonville, it was going to be a lot of hours. And I was going to fully commit to just a lot of, like, engulfing myself into that, that experience. And so, and taking advantage of that. And so... You know, people ask me all the time, well, why didn't y'all stay together? I think at that time, I, w I needed that break to really just kind of en engulf into that experience. Um, and I wanted him to enjoy that time. I didn't want him to worry about what I was doing. And, and so we actually both dated other people um, within that time period. And, and I know he thoroughly, like, enjoyed that experience. I don't think he would have, and I don't think I would have, um, if if we wouldn't have completely made a clean break at that time. So um, it was very clear to me, to answer your question, when, when I left, it was very clear to me when I was loading up my car that it was the right decision uh, for us at that time. And there was separation for two, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. You went to Walmart corporate and then, of course, made your full-time position offer. Mm -hmm. And that happened to be in Houston. And Eric was also in Houston Took a job in Sugarland. And first of all, we had never, so we had grown up in yeah. South Texas, a very small town. I had not, when we, when I say we went to the city, we never came to Houston. So it wasn't like Houston was well known to either one of us. It was, um, he was born in Houston and relocated to South Texas. Um, but I never, I'd never even, I'd never even been to Sugarland before I moved here until, you know, Walmart relocated me here. So um, it was not something that, oh, I was expecting him to walk in. It was, Houston was very new to me. It was myself and my golden retriever. And, um, I didn't know anybody else here. So every, essentially every night sounds like I'm a raging alcoholic, but I would go, <laughs> I didn't know anybody. So I would go with some people in my apartment complex or just myself. And I had gotten to know these bartenders okay. at the TGI Fridays in Sugarland. And in Sugarland to this day, we actually still keep in touch, but they great guys, but we literally had learned each other's stories. And so when Eric had come in, they literally knew it was him before I even said anything because, again, we had built this relationship of, oh, I'm from Bentonville and da da da. And now, yeah, I was engaged to this guy. And so when he walked in, they were like, Is that Eric Barty? I was like, Oh my gosh, yes, it is. Yeah. So, wow. and that was what, 14 years back, 15 years back? My goodness. Um, 04. So 04. 16, 16, 16 years, years back. back. And then yeah. you got married within six months. 
Yeah, within six months. So fortunately, my mom is very um, precise in her details of, you know, events. So she still had everything arranged. And so and it, it, we did get married at the home that I grew up on. I mean, grew up in. And so, where it was originally planned for. Where it was originally planned, yes. Fast yes. forward after, what, seven years, it happened. History repeated itself. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, no, not, no. So it was, let's Five see, years. it would have been, yeah, no, three, three and a half. Three and a half years. Three and a half years. Well, and now you're married, you have three yeah. boys, no, two boys and a girl, mm -hmm. and you are top team in Missouri City. How did real estate happen for you, Lisa? Because Walmart was great, but then you had your first kid, and you were juggling your full-time job with having a family, having a kid. Yeah, I mean, Walmart. Walmart's tough. Corporate America's tough, right? It's a 24-7 job. Um, you know, it's there's a lot of benefits to it. You get healthcare and all these other things that you don't think of when you're in that position. Um, but at the time when we were starting a family, it just wasn't what I grew up in. You know, I was listening to Remy earlier and I grew up in a very similar situation. You know, I had two older brothers. We always had a sit down dinner at night. We always had a hot cooked meal for breakfast in the morning, a very close knit family. So when I was working all hours of the night and here I am expecting, it wasn't, that wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted for my family. And um, fortunately, Eric had built a phenomenal business. He went into, um, he was a personal trainer, but had built this. At one point in time, he was like in the top three trainers in all of Houston. He's just a phenomenal, um, phenomenal trainer. And so he had built up a great business. And, and uh, fortunately, I was able to, to leave Walmart. And um, I took some time off. And of course, I was driving myself crazy because I also wanted to do something. Growing up with two entrepreneurs as parents, I decided my parents had owned the the Miss Texas High School pageant growing up. And so um, I decided to start training pageant girls. And so I did that as just kind of just I enjoy it. I, I wanted to see this these was girls while be you successful. were in Walmart or after you left? No, this was after I left. Um, it was after I had Logan. And um, just as, you know, extra income and so I started training some pageant girls and had some great success with that in Houston area. And then um, what was happening is I was meeting these parents and they wanted me to, because I was buying all the clothing for the girls and they said, well, would you mind like looking at my closet and, you know, buying my stuff and organizing my closet? So it all of a sudden rolled into this personal shopper um, organization for closets and pantries and all kinds of stuff and then which rolled essentially into staging of homes and i started doing that for realtors and you were staging homes mm -hmm. realtors were listing them for sale mm -hmm. adding your flair to it but then the benefits were going to the realtors i would work with these people for two or three months and again i think real estate is all about relationships that you build you know i get very close to my clients and can call them i i can tell you um all of them, you know, I can call family to this day, like just very, very, I'm blessed with the best clients. And so, but I was building these great relationships and we were decluttering and reorganizing and, you know, it gets very emotional. It's a very bittersweet process for a so lot of these of people. So instead of firing people, you're firing clothes out of the closet? Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. So, but I was getting very close to these people and building these relationships and the realtor would like jump into the very end and yeah. not have any type of relationship with them. And they would list it and it was done. And I thought... At that point, I thought, okay, I can definitely do what they're doing, and I can definitely offer more than they're offering because so many of the realtors just weren't—they weren't engaging. You know, I, I look at it as 
There's a lot of history in these homes. It's a very emotional process. I deal with a lot of empty nesters or first-time home buyers, and you know, it's. I feel blessed to be part of their story. Uh, essentially, you know, it's, you know, you get to build these relationships and, or I have, you know, unfortunately divorced couples that are going through so much emotionally and to be able to be there with them and, and make it a seamless process and, and as easy as possible for everybody. It's, I love it. I love it. But still to this day, the staging piece of it is by far my, most. oh my gosh, I love it. I love it. Yes. And then two years back, you convinced Eric mm -hmm. to join it's real been estate. three years now. It's been three years Yes, now? can wow. you believe it? I know, I know. And you have the Barty Real Estate Group. So what was it like convincing him to join Real Estate, be your business partner, and run alongside with you? Well, honestly, there there was a lot. Um, so in real estate, and, and Remy, I know, can, it, especially as a mom, you it's a very hard thing to juggle. You know, I get calls all the day, all the time saying, I'm thinking about getting my license, you know, um, it looks just so fun. You look like you enjoy it. And I do, I thoroughly enjoy it, but it is going back to the Walmart days. It is 24 seven that you put into these, you know, into your, you know, listings and buyers and, and because you want it again to be a, a great experience for them. But, you know, going back to when, when before Eric was involved in real estate, it really is hard on a family because especially a mom, because I was running and going and trying to build this real estate business and really do a good job. And, you know, Remia had touched on this. Sometimes you just feel like, oh my gosh, I need to be with my kids. But at the same time, I'm tr I don't want to let my clients down. And it's, so it's a big struggle, especially when you're growing a business. Now I'm a lot more confident in, you know, what my hours are. And I see how fast the kids are growing up and, and how important that is. So Eric mainly got involved because we, we weren't really seeing each other that much, to be honest, right? He, w he had a booming business. I had a booming business. And so at one point we thought, okay, we're going this way and we really need to be, you know, going together. And so he ended up getting his license and, and he is a much better buyer's agent than I ever was. <laughs> I, you know, he is just the most laid back person that you'll ever meet and he loves it and people love him. And, and I've always really had a passion for the listing side anyway. So that's how we're set up. We, I handle all of the listings and he handles all of our buyers and, um, but we try and keep it to where all communication, they can get either one of us at any time, but that's primarily like, that's our main roles. And you also worked out great. a team organization where you have team members, you have admin staff. So mm -hmm. you have a support structure that takes care of business where clients need attention Correct. today and you have commitments. How is it like building a team as a realtor, Elizabeth? Because most realtors want to do everything on their own. They control freaks. They want to do all the documentation, showing all on their own. But to give up control, have somebody else do the showing for you or do the documentation for you, it's hard to give mm -hmm. that up. How do you manage and juggle those tasks delegated to your resources? You know, I I know we've talked about this several times, but I I I look back at when I was on a team and, and things I liked about it and things I didn't like about it, and there were things that I we said if I grew, I definitely wanted to take that and I wanted to make it different. Um, you know, when you're on a team, it's tough because you have a hard time building your name when you're under somebody else's name. So I always told myself that I would give a lot of the reins to my team members and, and really let them develop themselves. And that's, that's primarily what our goal is for all of our team members. Um, you know, we, 
I was completely against getting like an office manager back in the day. I wanted to do my own stuff. I was afraid that they, again, I wanted to be the, the first line of contact for my clients. And I will tell you, adding those people, it hasn't changed that. It's just helped, you know, um, mitigate a lot of the back end stuff that, that I can focus more on my clients. You know, I'm not having to really do the checklist stuff anymore. And so it's, um, I tell realtors all the time I get calls on, okay, what do you recommend for, you know, if I am trying to grow my business this year? And the first thing I say is, do you have an assistant? You know, it's, um, I just talked to one today, actually, and she's actually listening on, so she's going to know what I'm talking about. Um, but it's it's one of those things that people immediately say, I can't afford it. Can't afford it. And I got really good advice back in the day, and he, you know, it was like, okay, but you you essentially can do more business if you have the little things taken care of. And, and that's the way I approached it, and I will tell you, the year I added an assistant, my business doubled. And I tell that story all the time because it doesn't mean it's breaking the relationship between you and your client. It just means it's helping Getting you. leverage. Absolutely. Absolutely. You and have to look at your hourly your rate, essentially. That's right? right. Most people do not know the hourly worth. And if you are earning a certain amount of money, you got to know what your hourly worth is, whether it's $50, 100 or 200 And if you can delegate a task, somebody has to do it for absolutely. you with the right guidance and, and supervision, then you use that time in money-making activity. What's your vision for growth and success for this year, next few years, Elizabeth? Do you mind sharing that? You know, I had never thought I wanted a team, to be honest. I, I really didn't. I, I thought, okay, again, I don't want to take away from my own business. I, I'd never want to get away from the listing side of it. I'd never want to get away. And I'm finding that I truly do love the mentoring side of things. Um, you know, I know Remy and I had talked about even doing, um, getting more into the marketing side and doing some podcasts and things like that. Um, just because we feel like we have a lot to offer in terms of moms that are being successful um, today and um, advice that we can give on balancing that. And it's not an easy road to navigate. So my goal this year, obviously, is to continue to grow our business, um, but adding more team members, um, possibly in some other parts of Houston. Um, and um, I think getting more into the mentoring side of, of the business. Yeah, success comes not just from growing your own bank account, helping mm -hmm. other people to succeed around you. And that is so rewarding. And the years of hard work you put in corporate America at Walmart, hiring, fighting, mm -hmm. and doing all those tasks made you a leader in your market. And today when you say, I'm going to commit to your success, you truly commit to their success mm -hmm. and bringing smiles to people. What I loved your story was you have expertise in staging, making homes look beautiful. And your husband, Eric, is an expert in helping buyers find the dream home. It's a balance where... You have certain expertise and he has certain expertise. But over the years, what you realize is if you want to get to the next level of success, find right resources, find the system and delegate those tasks and focus on your core competency. And over the years, you mentioned you want to start a podcast, impact mm -hmm. more people, share your success, share all those things. So powerful listening to your story tonight, Elizabeth. Do you mind sharing your number? Someone listening in tonight wants to reach out to you. Use your team's assistant or your assistant to list a home for sale, help you buy a home, residential, commercial, how do they reach out to you, Elizabeth? Absolutely. It's 713-385-7730. If not phone, are you on social media? Where are you at? I am. I'm totally, I'm a, I'm a social media guru. I love it. Um, so yes, you can find me on Instagram um, at Elizabeth Barty underscore realtor. Um, we have a Facebook page as well. 
Um, I think social media, if you're not doing it, you need to. Um, even if I am not good by any means, like I've started dabbling in TikTok. Um, TikTok? Totally not. That is not my game. <laughs> right. But I'm trying. I'm trying to do it. Um, Instagram is more my focus. Um, I seem to get the most. You know, I, I think that's probably my core audience. It's all about creating eyeballs on your brand. Absolutely. Right? And, and again, getting out of your comfort zone. Correct. It is not my comfort zone. I keep being told I have a girl that helps me out with my marketing. And, and so I don't know if you know this, but my 15-year-old also does my marketing. So wow. a lot of people don't know, like, all, he does all my Instagram posts. And, and it's he wanted a job, and so I gave it to him. So Interesting. He, yeah. He wakes up extra early in the morning and... Like Transformation Tuesday. He he woke up early in the morning and got it done before he went to school. So wow. it's a way for him to get involved in the business, and, and he's really good at it. So Love it. So uh, you have yeah. a teenager at home who's mm-hmm. helping you and your husband grow their business through social media marketing. Yeah, he's been doing it for, gosh, about a year and a half now. Incredible. Yeah. Can you do some for me? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Elizabeth, so amazing having you on the show tonight. You shared your story where you came from New Jersey, moved to South Texas, met your sweetheart in fourth grade, spent all the years, were engaged to him, ready to get married to him, and the day your wedding was planned for, that was your first day to start your job in corporate America at Walmart, miles and miles away, and you made a decision of following your dream to follow mm-hmm. corporate America, and you let that relationship go for a few years. Came back to Houston to work over here, and coincidentally, Eric found employment also in Houston. It's a Friday evening. You at your favorite spot, TGIF, going about your evening, you know, with your friends. And here comes Eric Barty. I think I was eating the Jack Daniels wings or something. Is that what you were doing? They were amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> here comes Eric Barty, and you haven't looked back. Got married yeah. in six months. Now you have three young kids, and you just shared your 15 year old is helping you build your brand. It's all about building your brand in this business. If you're known. I'm hard to work for, too. I don't know if you, you know, I don't hey, know. That's if he, all right. He has if, to redo a lot of the marketing. If you so. were not hard to work with, Elizabeth, you would not be successful. We are demanding first for ourselves and then to our team, to our clients, because if you're just. Going about a day, you know, going about easy way. That's the attitude we'll bring to our clients. If you want to get them to finish line, we have to direct them. If you're not directing yourself, how can you direct 100%. your clients and your customers? You have to be directive. So amazing having you on the show tonight. You shared your story. Would you mind sharing a number one more time? People can call, reach out to you if they want to work with a realtor who specializes in making homes beautiful. You have a knack for finding the things to move around, make the home look beautiful. And, and I will tell sold. you, people, I scare people when I say that. Really? I do want to, I do, because I, so my whole philosophy is putting as little money into the home, but whatever we do is going to be the biggest bang for the buck. And I will make it up in the sale of the home, if that makes sense. So a lot of people are like, oh, I bet she like will make us yeah. spend a ton of money. Now, whatever money we put in, I promise you I'll double it on the sale of your home. And, but I, it's very little. You can do very little and make a huge difference. And on, most in your people, home. sellers don't want to spend money, but they want the best God, offer that's so sale. Important. And the homes are personalized to their taste, to their likes, whether it's decor or furniture piece. And we come as outsiders mm-hmm. with a different perspective. We tell them this is appealing to you, but not to the market, not to the average buyer today. And when we give that flair of change, a lot of sellers resist that. A, of course, they have to spend the money, but they feel attacked. Oh, you don't like the painting? Well, and like I tell, again, everybody has, you never want to criticize anything, right? Everything means somebody, mm-hmm. something to somebody that's in their home. So I and my clients are, if they're listening, they're going to laugh because I always say you have to take the home out of the house. And you got to take the home out of the house. 
Yeah. Mm. And it's, and it really is. You have to take the personality out. Um, you've got it because buyers have very little imagination. Um, it's a lot of times if there's too many things, they can't picture their own. I want them to focus on the pretty countertops and the floors and not the things on the wall. And so when you, when you say it that way, there's, you know, again, you have to respect everybody's home and know that there's a purpose. Um, you know, it's, I always find out the story of the home before I start, you know, saying what needs to come down. Because again, there's a reason why certain things are in certain places and, and it's part of their life. And, and so some things, well, it's not consistent in every home, I'll tell you that. If there is a, a very special, deep-rooted meaning for some things, absolutely we'll leave it in the home for the showing. I'm not, it's not my place to take that down. Um, and if a buyer doesn't like it, they need to go to the next home. You know, I want them to respect my seller's home as much as I do. So, um, you know, you just, again, find out the story before you start. I will tell you, realtors call me all the time getting staging advice, and I love it. So if you ever want, I love doing it, and I don't mind, you know, helping. I've walked homes with other realtors. I truly don't mind. Um, but the biggest mistake realtors make is they don't find out the story of the family before they walk it, and, um, and they'll lose them. They'll lose their clients because you've got to you've got to respect their their home. You know, their home, the story. It's a very emotional process for people. Buy yeah. certain things, place them certain. Once you know the story, you know the intent, and then you may not hurt the feelings, but be objective about your suggestions. Elizabeth, yeah, absolutely. I love what you shared today, but my favorite story today, what you shared was the teddy bear story. I mean, I got transformed to that small room. Oh, and I know. When you're I'm talking sorry, to that guy who was six four, who took things on a gift card from the Walmart store to provide for a young toddler or infant mm -hmm. with diapers and all those things but in the job that you were at you had no choice but to take action against him your inner soul said let it be so what's the big deal but then you had to follow the policies procedures of your employer which is right thing to do at the same time that was a moment you said i got to be in control if i feel something is not right i want to make the decision of not doing or yeah doing i just it. have a little bit more empathy towards correct. the story yeah correct so amazing yeah. having you on the show tonight, Elizabeth. You shared your story. You impacted people. I want you to share your number one more time so that people can call you, engage with you, and get your team, the Barty team, to come and help you sell your home for top dollar or have Eric Barty, who is part-time, full-time into yeah, weight training. No, he's full-time real estate now. So he does have, so this is his, this is his schedule. Okay. This is, he, he sleeps on, he has about four hours of sleep. He gets up about five in the morning and he does train still for about three hours. Every day. Every day. But he, he does start his day about 8.30 or 9 o'clock in the morning with That's real commitment. estate. So, That's commitment. But I'll tell you the, the clients that he's kept, um, you know, they, he also has a huge heart and, and he knew that somebody else was going to take care of him the the way and he's had these clients for 20 plus years so wow. he couldn't let them go and and i see where he's coming from you know it's he that's by far one of his passions so but his biggest thing right now he goes all over texas for land so he is land is a big thing right now he is a country boy he grew up in the country um if you see him he'll probably be wearing a cowboy hat <laughs> um but he does he's been going he's out in the hill country down in south texas out in west texas all finding place, land finding lands yeah. wow so if you're looking for so. land to do a development? Lot, well, and lots of Houston guys. It's yeah. a big thing. Hunting's big, and everybody wants land. I think since Yellowstone is kind of the thing, right? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Call the Barty team today. Guys, you'll be listening in to the first Generation Mindset Show. This is your host, Kunal Seth, and we had Elizabeth Barty share a story how she got married to a fourth-grade sweetheart, and she parted ways with him and went to work for Corporate America. 
gave that dream up. But coincidentally, met him again in Houston and got engaged and got married again. Today, they have three young boys. The middle son, 15-year-old, actually is a marketing person who does all the marketing for her. So if you want to reach out to the successful team in real estate in the Houston market, call Elizabeth Barty. Call the Barty team today. They'll get your home sold at the best dollar value. You guys have been listening into the first generation mindset. I'm Kunal Seth.